inside. It's horrible here. My throat is like raw as fuck. Wow, I don't know what a forest fire is like. That's pretty crazy. Hey, welcome to episode two of the Nose Nose. <laughs> I'm talking with uh, Brent the intern right now. He's telling me a little bit about the forest fires that are ravaging his uh, his home. Uh, I know nothing about those, so I'm nice and comfortable here in my uh, safe, green, uh, New York treed area with no fires. So uh, you're hanging in there? No, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm you're doing all right? Good. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not something we should joke about, but... I'm safe, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's 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 fine. And I mean, uh, I was trying to kind of relate to maybe some disasters, like you were talking last episode about the uh, tornado that tore up your neighborhood. Oh yeah, see, you were you laughed at me when that happened, and now I'm laughing at you when, <laughs> when your neighborhood's getting destroyed. <laughs> uh, last episode, uh, you had referenced the tornado that tore up your neighborhood, and somebody wrote in because you had referenced the movie Twister. Um, Specifically where Helen Hunt's character throws the pop cans into the twister. Yeah. Also also funny that you say pop. I say soda. Oh, that is weird, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that uh, in, in parts of the country, they also call it like cola or Coke. They just like straight up like do a, like a Kleenex type of thing instead of tissue. We do Kleenex here, man. You say Kleenex? You say yeah. Kleenex and pop? Kleenex and pop. So strange. So it's strange. Pop, though, man. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's, it's soda. Pop. It's soda cans. Pop. Maybe soda what, what, is this? what is this, like 1950? <laughs> <laughs> soda water. I don't even know what that is. What is that? Like ginger? No, like uh, seltzer? I think it's just like sparkling water. Oh, 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 okay. Like okay. old ladies use it to like clean their carpets. Yeah, is that what old ladies use? <laughs> like maybe, yeah, maybe like rich old ladies. No. <laughs> Just I don't know. Boring. I don't know where you're from, Mister Fancy Pants, with your sparkling water, <laughs> clean carpets. <laughs> I swear, man. Old ladies use like soda water. I did. Uh, I guess. I guess when you say it like that, I'm thinking like uh, I'm thinking like some like fancy water that you get at like a five star restaurant, like the sparkling water that they're just like dabbing stains from like tiny dogs <laughs> that piss on the carpets with. You know. <laughs> Do you drink that when that's an option? No, I hate it. I hate yeah, it. it's so disgusting. I don't like it at all. I don't like seltzer. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't. I don't drink soda or pop. Where you're from, I don't drink any of that. <laughs> I don't like it. Um. <laughs> anyway, getting back to tornadoes. A listener was heated that you didn't reference. Yeah, Dorothy. Yeah. No. I, I, I listen. I understand. I mean, if I, if I was him, I would be heated too. But here's the thing. When I when I saw that, I I, I got a little heated myself because. Every time I reference that movie, the movie Twister, by the way, um, the first thing I say is Dorothy because it's just like that's like the key. That's the key thing. But I held myself back on the last one because I'm like I'm trying to reach a broad audience. I don't know how old everybody is. Maybe people were born after the movie Twister came out. You know, maybe you never saw it. You don't remember like the cow like flying across the screen and like the tour. You were probably like four and a half when that came out. Look it up. Go ahead. Yeah, look it up. Look up the movie Twister. It's got um Bill Paxton. And 1996. You were three. Okay. Yeah, Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, who else was in it? Probably Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Carrie Elwes was in it. <laughs> Probably Samuel L. Jackson. Probably Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it. It's a good movie. Oh man, this guy's talking gone gone what is it, gone in sixty seconds. You were like going on about last episode. You're just like you're dissing on on Twister now. I was gonna come at you hard just based on your references being really like outdated. <laughs> someone, someone told me once that I don't have a pop culture reference past the year two thousand. <laughs> no, it's true. You, like maybe twenty ten you're like talking about lost. Sopranos. Yeah, I'm all over yeah, all over that. I'm watching the Sopranos right now. What, uh, is that? I'm on season six A. Jesus. <laughs> so, what's like the most recent show you've watched? Like the newest, like the most re- recently released. Yeah, uh, or, or just recent. We've we've been watching Glow on Netflix. I right. mean, it, it, it's about something that happened thirty years ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's right up your alley. <laughs> it's perfect for me. <laughs> I don't know. What are the kids watching these days? The Stranger Things? I don't know. <laughs> you watch uh, Breaking Bad? No, I don't watch Breaking Bad because 
within the second season, I got too depressed. I had to turn it off. Yo, yeah, that's a thing, hey? It's too dark. It's too dark. But I have watched Mad Men about 400 times, top to bottom. I can't stand Mad Men. How? Just based on the... Is that what you is that what you got into design for? Because I saw Mad Men? No, 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 no. Because yeah, <laughs> you saw the new show Mad Men. When I was like when I was like twenty seven, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna get into design. <laughs> no, but then you watch that and it's just like uh old dudes who like just say some random shit about advertising and smoke cigars. I actually um when I when I saw the previews for Mad Men, I was like, Yeah, I'm never watching that. I don't I don't wanna live I don't wanna watch what I live, you know? And then uh, I watched the first my, – my wife convinced me to watch the first episode. I was like, eh, it's all right. And then like second episode, third episode, I was like, nah, this is pretty legit. This is really good. I don't know, man. I get, Like legit you know, to your life? Honestly, no, not legit to my life. Like I don't – you know, like I don't – I think it barely touches on that. I, I, there's a lot of things about that life that I'm not about. Um, but there's a lot of things about that life that really I do find inspirational um you know kind of like when you watch them kind of handle clients and i know it's like fictional and shit like that but there's a certain aspect to it where there's like an idealism um about like handling certain clients you know like the way don draper like slams the door walks out of the room like the way that you want to treat certain clients yeah you know and it's a little bit of like a like a, a stress relief almost watching him do that and then so you don't do that to your clients? No, I never do that, man. I don't even have doors to slam to walk out on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Aggressively Xing it out of Skype calls? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like, you know, like I wear like a t-shirt and jeans all day. I can't even stand up and dramatically button a jacket, you know? <laughs> but, but like even like when they, when they like started the new agency and all this kind of stuff, I'm like, man, I started businesses before. I, I kind of like that. You know, that like starting over mentality. I like watching that kind of shit happen. But then like, see, you know, the next season pops in and they're in, you know, two stories in the Time Life building and they got like friggin, you know, 65 employees. And I don't know what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is it just uh, the growth? Is- <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have that. If, they, if I could figure that part out, I'd be nice. Milton Glazer did the. Uh... Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. He did. Classic. He- what was that? How much does he touch? Do you think, though, like, uh, probably more than you'd think. I, I think, I think he's probably. I, I, I've never met him before. I know a lot of people have. I think he's probably, um, he's probably pretty legit. I've always anything I've ever seen from him or heard from him or read about him, he seems pretty legit. Like he's got his hands on everything. I could be wrong, but he, he seems, from what I understand, he seems like the type of guy. Hey, maybe we should get him on. Yeah. <laughs> instead of me, like, instead of me guessing, let's ask him. No, he seems like right up your alley, to be completely honest. He seems yeah. like, a, like a grumpy, like, he hates certain design questions. That's my guy, man. That's why I love, I love Milton Glaser. <laughs> no, dude, he, he, he ranted on the same kind of uh, level as you rant about the word hustle. Yeah, he yeah. about the word creative. That's ah, awesome. I love it. I love it. Except now I feel bad for using the word creative. <laughs> I mean, it's not like... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> any chance this podcast will be coming to Google Play or Spotify? I don't know. You answer that one. Yes, we're, we're on it. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. Spotify Every- has like a weird delay kind of to getting it. Yeah, they also kind of have like this weird like Instagram algorithm against me, I think, where they're like, nah, fuck this guy. Well, yeah, we'll save the bad words for Spotify once we're on there. Yeah. <laughs> I think Google Play is probably going to be a little bit easier for us, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Everything else, I think the the chips are going to be falling soon. But uh, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, so everyone can kind of get you know they can get it one way or another until until we get to the better spot. You ready to jump into a round of uh, quick questions? Yes. Here we go. Now, we, we, now we did we did quick questions last time, and I think each quick question lasted about twenty five to thirty five minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to try and I'm going to try and knock it down to about nineteen. Yeah, so we got a solid like three hours here. A cool right. nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> at what point does inspiration become plagiarism? Uh, at the at the moment where the person creating it gives up trying to learn from it, I think I think that's when it stops. Because like when you're a kid, I mean, all you do is rip shit off. You know, like everybody does that because you just copy stuff that you like. And it's not, it's not like you're ripping anyone off. You're not taking food, on, you're not taking food anybody, out of anybody's mouth. You know, like 
you're just doing stuff that you like. And then as you start to learn, you start to in- inject a little bit more of your, you know, tendencies and your style or, or your developing style or whatever. And then it becomes your own thing. A lot of people, um, and you know, maybe, maybe I blame social media for this too, is a lot of people see stuff even, you know, past the age of 20 that they like, and they start to just try and copy it. But the problem is they put it out there and they say, you know, look what I did as opposed to, you know, the days of no social media where you copy something and you show your friends, like, check out what I did. Everyone's like, cool, pats you on the back, whatever. But there's not strangers who are going to stumble upon your old notebooks and stuff like that and just be like, this is great. How original are you? You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that's, I think that's the problem. So I think whenever the person stops trying to learn and starts trying to create like a personality for themselves based on someone else's hard work, I think that's where plagiarism kicks in. <sighs> Look at that, man. What was that? Like a minute, minute 10? Minute 30? Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what though? And also like with, like I've been tracing out a lot of your stuff lately. Oh, nice. Well. <laughs> no, I know. I know. The stuff that you're supposed to be doing, not the stuff yeah, that yeah. you're doing on the side, on the black market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely started to realize like there's no way to copy somebody exactly. Like just the way that I even wait a line or I noticed that, that you went left to right and I'm going right to left. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird because it does create a different. It does, yeah. No, it totally does. We just we just worked on um, we just worked on a font for AT and T, uh, and that it was kind of like an ink brushstroke kind of font, and we definitely saw you know like the way the left to right strokes, the up to down, the way the diagonals go, like all those things really make a huge difference. Um, and, and and to try and mimic it is way harder than just trying to just be yourself. Yeah, you know? no, <laughs> which I feel like like people who steal from other people should just understand that it would make their lives a lot easier if they would just be themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got nothing to say about that. Oh yeah, this is this guy. What a, I'm, what, I'm a, what, a what a co-host. What a co-host. Brent the Canadian, everyone. Dude, this this next question is going to be the longest question. Okay. This should be a long format question. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Who are your biggest influences when it comes to hand lettering? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Wait. I'll just. I'll let me clarify. Let me clarify because but there's. I've had a. I've said that before. People are like you're a liar. You can clarify, man. But I'm gonna cut it out. There are. <laughs> there are so. There are so many that I find inspiration from, but there are. There is not one where I look at and I'm like, this is. This is. This is my template. You know, like like uh, Ralph Steadman, for example, was a huge lettering influence of mine, but his is just like crazy ink splatters. But I, I always loved his stuff. Tim Burton's stuff. I always loved the way his stuff. I mean, I feel like people could probably see that if I said it out loud now. Yeah, you know, like, actually. Look at, yeah. Just when you said that, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, all that, all that like, the, like Beetlejuice, Tim Burton type stuff, you know, all that, that kind of shit. I love, I love all that. And I mean, then you got all the the masters everybody that everyone else references i mean there's no point in making a list because it's all the same people i don't know like get your uh your herb lubalins of the world lubalin yeah. i mean he's kind of like he's the key guy I love all of his stuff um i don't know don't put me on the spot yeah i'm sorry <laughs> i wanted you to name somebody maybe that like uh is working right now who's working right now I don't know because I keep my I keep I keep I keep my eyes on the prize, man. I'm not looking left or right. I'm just kind of looking straight. There's a lot of people that do a lot of cool stuff, um, but I'm I'm kind of like I try not to look at a lot of it because I don't want any of that stuff to influence what I do. There's there's just too many to name, and I'm going to insult people for leaving them out, so I'm not going to name anybody else. Yeah, I mean that's what I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Insult like, people? No, it's, it's just get. <laughs> I'm not insulting anyone. <laughs> Trying to get me to insult people? No, I'm not yeah. going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You could just, uh, you need, I, I'm, I like everybody. Everybody's really great. All right, next question. <laughs> 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 All right, so everyone's great. Uh, best MLB logo? Oh, well, the Yankees logo, obviously. Now, if you're talking about in, in terms of staying power and in terms of uh, like how iconic it is, Obviously, the interlocking NY is the greatest because it's it transcends baseball, and it's it's you can see it on things all over the world. 
in places where they don't even know what baseball is. Now, if you're talking about just like cool baseball logos, there's a whole list of them. Montreal Expos used to have an amazing logo. Uh, that's for you. That's for you and your Canadian roots. Um, the Orioles um, bird face is amazing. Who else? Who else? Didn't they just rebrand that? Uh, did they? I don't know. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, probably. Uh, who else has some good ones? I'm going up and down. I'm going up and down the the, uh, the standings now. I mean, the Red Sox are like classic, you know. There's, there's, the Dodgers are classic. Like, there's some really uh, great lettering for for a lot of those teams. You know, like the Angels had some really really cool stuff, um, especially some of the older Angels stuff where it was like the A with the halo around it, like the original ones. Um, they also used to have a really cool hat where they had a halo drawn on the top of the hat itself, where it was just like a yellow a yellow stripe around the top, which I thought was so cool. Um, and then you get, then it's easy to get into like uniform design, like the, like, like the Astros had the sickest uniforms in the eighties, you know, uh, tequila sunrise, they, they called it, uh, with this, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but they had like the multiple stripes coming up the shirt where it's like the orange to the red, orange, yellow stripes. Does that ring a bell for you? You know what, man? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't watch baseball. Yeah. But I mean, it's like really famous sports design. Yeah, dude, I've seen it. All right, <laughs> <laughs> forget it. <laughs> this is going to be the worst episode because most of these questions, I have zero reference point. All right, that's good. Well, we'll educate you in the in the meantime. Yeah, man, I'm learning with everyone else. Yeah, yeah, so that's good. Let me think if there's any other ones that we could. You know what I'm going to do? Check this out. I'm going to pop this up. I'm going to say MLB standings. I'm going to cry for a little bit because the Yankees aren't in the first place. And we'll see. Now, okay, here's a problem. The Indians have Chief Wahoo. Yeah. Ultra racist, right? But is it? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think it's pretty racist. <laughs> like the caricature of it is super racist. However, the okay. illu- like the illustration itself is really well done. Yeah. You know, which is like it's a shame that it has to be so racist because the drawing is is super cool and, you know, like it has it had lasting impact also. The Tigers they they had that old English D, um, which has changed a lot through the years, but hasn't at the same time. It's just kind of been like slightly altered. I've always loved that. I just love like how you know stylistic it's 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 always been and how traditional it's maintained. Um, the Phillies used to have some really cool ones. I'm not really too thrilled with the with the cur- the current ones, but the ones in like I think like the late '80s, early '90s when it was maroon with the with the little baseball that was in the counter of the P. You okay. could, yeah, that that was super cool. Um, some of the old Cardinal stuff back in the day, I used to really love the Giants SF, like super iconic. Even when they were New York, and now that they're San Francisco, like still, still just as good. There's so many good ones, like some of the the Oakland A's stuff. Even you know the old days when they were Philadelphia Athletics, and now the Oakland Athletics. Like I could go. There's something good about every team, really. You know? Has the Yankees even has have they changed at all? Never. I mean, they've had slight little differences here and there, but the the core elements have been the same since 1903. Awesome. Yeah, it's. Pre- I mean, that's why that's why you have to say that's the best one because it's the most it's the most intense. You know, like just in the way that they've done it, and and just to kind of the the Chicago White Sox have also had an amazing history of awesome logos too. I don't want to leave them out because a lot of their stuff is awesome and we may or may not have something to do with future logos with them. So just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what you're saying is White Sox in the future, probably the best. Yeah, probably the best in the future. <laughs> All right. Next question. Yeah. Most iconic hardcore logo or artwork. So the most iconic, I think that everybody knows is probably Black Flag. And that, that kind of goes without saying. Now, I'm not really a big fan of Black Flag. I never really like was. Yeah, okay. like whatever. Yeah. Like I don't really care. Everyone knows it from like Tony Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> That's my reference. That's yeah. I would say my favorite, most iconic hardcore logo is probably the Mad Ball logo. And the Mad Ball logo, for people who don't know, is basically just big, bold, sans serif type with like this like hand-drawn 3D extrude type of thing. It's it's just it's solid. It's just tough. It's there. It's it's brutal, man. It's awesome. And then there's also maybe my two second favorites would be uh, 
and this is going back to when I was a kid in high school and I used to draw all the time, would be the Hatebreed logo with the flames and the, uh, the Earth Crisis logo, kind of like the big, tall, skinny uh, serif font with like the scratched out lines around the outside. Those are probably my three favorite, most iconic ones, at least off the top of my head. I'm sure there's plenty of other ones, but those are the ones that pop uh, into my head first. And then, of course, there's also the New York Hardcore logo itself, like the NYHC with the X in the middle. That is one of my favorite things in the entire world. So, um, yeah, that was it's so funny, too. When we started CXXVI, uh, our clothing company, you know, shit, 10 years ago, the the reason we named it CXXVI was because it was kind of an extension of 126, the design studio then. So it was Roman numerals of 126, but it, it gave me an excuse to use an X. So I used a big X in the middle and then CXVI oh, around it because I was like, it was a cool way to kind of like showcase our old hardcore roots. Um, and I was, I, we were psyched on it, you know, cause we, the, Matt and I, who started the company, we were in hardcore bands for our whole life. That's what we did. And the funniest thing, and maybe the most frustrating thing was, um, there was a Tumblr blog then called your logo is not hardcore because a lot of, it became like this thing where it was an X, like people were putting everything in, in an X or crossed something or other. And the CXXVI logo was on there. And I was like, dude, like, yes, it is because <laughs> it absolutely is hardcore because we were both in hardcore bands. That's why we made it to like showcase like our hardcore heritage. Like that's why it was there. Like I, I wanted to find that guy and strangle him. And you're getting outed. I, oh, dude, I was so mad because I was like, yeah, maybe all these other ones aren't hardcore, but this one is hardcore. <laughs> you know what? Let's let's throw this long format question in. Okay. The mix, because I think it's important to what we're talking about. Yeah. Do you think that the DIY attitude of punk and hardcore has helped you in your creative career? Yes, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. And I'll tell you why. The Well, first of all, the DIY ethic, I think, is super important. When you look at when you look at the history of punk and hardcore, you 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 think the first thing you might think of is kind of like the flyers that everybody knows, where it's just like photocopies of weird like cut and paste letters and photos and weird drawings and shit like that. That's the first thing that ever grabbed me, um, you know. Besides the music and the idea of you know taking those elements, creating them, going and photocopying them for a couple of cents a piece stapling them up, handing them out to people, word of mouth, you know, like getting getting it out there type of thing. Like that I used to love that. I still love that. Like I still try to I still try to use that type of mentality for everything that I do now. Like, you know, obviously there's a lot of things where you can't do that, but I try to throw it in wherever I can, just that that world. Um but there's also kind of like starting a band and especially in an underground scene you know, at least when I was a kid too, at the time where everything was a lot more underground than it is now, um, it was like starting a business. You know, you had to put together a good product. You had to find a way to get yourself out there. It was a lot of just like figuring out how do I get in front of people. You record a demo. You get your demo tape. You design your demo tape. You make copies of it. You hand it out to people. You tell people to show their friends. You just like you are putting yourself out there in the most vulnerable way possible. Just being like, here's something I made. I hope you like it enough to share it with other people so that other people can listen, you know? You know what? Going back kind of to like influences in hand lettering, I think that's interesting because me growing up and like definitely you see on social media is everyone's influences are like other lettering artists. Right. Right. Where you, you got obsessed with music and that scene and the artwork that was coming out of that scene. Absolutely. I mean, and not even just hardcore either, but like as a kid, my favorite things to draw was the Metallica logo, the Slayer logo, Megadeth, Obituary, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Yeah. Like those, that's what I used to, that's the, that's where my lettering really became something that I was focusing on. You know, that's what I, that's what I wanted, you know, it, and there was always like the different versions of the Metallica logo. There's like the Kill em All version where it's flat. There's Ride the Lightning where it's big and chunky, kind of like the Madball logo. You know, there's like the uh, Master of Puppets where it's like all marble. Like even those different things, like I would just sit there and draw them over and over and over again. And then you get into like something like Slayer and even like fucking Kiss, who I don't like at all. But like it's a cool logo, like the K-I-S-S, even though, you know, like it has kind of like the lightning bolts, like Nazi S's almost, which yeah, are yeah. questionable. But like they're fun to draw. Yeah. You know, it's no, awesome. Um and, you know, as a kid, you don't, and that's shit that you don't really think about or understand anyway. But like, 
um, you know, band logos, that's, that's where, that's, that's where it's at, man. Like that's to me, I think that's where the coolest lettering stuff came into play for sure. And especially because like when people needed to make something that was unique, it, it was just like, well, we don't, we're not professionals. We don't know how to do this. Let's just do it the only way we know how. And some of those things just became iconic just because of how they were. It's that to, to me, like that, that was the shit that really impacted me. I think that's so important though. Like it is important. where that inspiration was coming from. Yeah, no, it is important. And I think it helps too, because it's like, um, you, you can tie it into something else that's meaningful to you. Like I could sit there, like when I was a kid, I would listen to Bleach by Nirvana and I would just look at like the cool, like, you know, a negative black and white picture on the front, like open up the booklet, whatever. And just like their logo is just like straight up, you know, like, um, uh, what is it? It's like a, like a stretched bedoni or something like that, you know? And it's, um, it was just fun to draw. Like that's where I kind of like perfected my serif, you know, cape, like, like abilities. Like it was just like right there. It's just like drawing Nirvana over and over again. And if you look at the R in the word Nirvana, like that little tail on the bottom of that R pops up in my work all the time. And that comes from the, the Nirvana logo, you know? <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Yeah, and it, it's and when you look back at some of this stuff, a lot of it is bad, but there's so much of it that's good. You know, like like so much of it is just so it it, it means so much. Like I'll I'll listen to you know any one of those records and and just get so psyched at like what the visuals are in you know in conjunction with what the sound is, with what maybe the lyrics are saying, what the what the shows were like, all those things together. And then, you know, like you throw in like t-shirts and shit like that. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is this, this, everything about this means something to me. And you could pick apart each piece and the music makes the lettering better. The the design makes the music better and everything just kind of builds into this one really cool, um, influential, like mega thing that you just connect with. And, and the ability to connect is, is where you are, um, you know, shaping yourself in terms of style. And you don't play anymore. Actually, so a friend of mine and I that we used to play together years ago, um, we, we live about 45 minutes away from each other and we're older now, but we've, we've been talking for the past year and we're like, yo, we got to play. We got to play. So he, he started recording some guitar tracks and I got some mics hooked up in front of my drums and we're going to try it the old, the old, uh, the old long distance way, even though we're not that far away from each other, nah. but it's just like, like we could easily meet up in between and just like play, but like yeah. just to kind of, just to kind of get it going. Like I got my drums in my basement, like hook it up, just put some headphones on and play to the guitar tracks and record some shitty demos. So that's been something that's been in the works for the past year. Um, but I haven't had time to really see it through. So maybe one of these days. <laughs> so when was the last time you actually played in a band? Last time I actually, the last show I actually played was 2006. It was, it was my band's The Ambitions last show. And we played in our hometown of Levittown, Long Island with uh, Between the Buried and Me. They headlined. And I don't know, it was like seven or 800 people there. It was a nice, it was a nice farewell show. And that was the last time I played and that was it. I definitely miss it. Um, why'd you guys, uh, why'd you guys break up? You know, the reason I, I think the it was just we were all kind of going in different directions. You know, I started at that time I was working a lot full time. Like it wasn't it wasn't a side thing for me anymore. It was a full time thing. And the one thing I do regret is that we had the opportunity to play one of the last nights of CBGB's of it being open. And I got into a fight with my singer because I was like, dude, I got a project that needs to get done. I don't have time for this shit. And I and I I I, I snubbed CBGBs because I had work to get done, and I think at that moment I realized, I like I realized for sure, like it wasn't a question of where I belonged because I was like this is, this is more important to me now. It's it's like, you know, playing CBs and and all that shit used to be super important to me, but at that point it wasn't, and and it was something I could have done, but the time was too tight, and I had to sacrifice one or the other, and I I picked one, and that's where I ended up. I feel like that's the answer kind of to how do you balance work life? You don't. You don't. No, you just have to make tough choices. Yeah. 
and we'll get into that more because it, you know one one of the things I want to do too is there's a lot of uh, you know in, in the future we we're going to have some guests on and there's a lot of people who live very different lives doing very different things that I want to get into that work life balance and talk about it like in a real way because I feel like there's a lot of shit that that there is to talk about you know that maybe you know, we There's try so many different perspectives. Yeah. We try to discuss it as best we can, but everyone has a different experience. And it's like my, the way, the way that I live is definitely not a way that other people can live. Like I can't give advice because the way I do it is like, I just get by by the skin of my teeth. You know, we talked about this. You're like a, a ultra marathon designer. Yeah, I am. And it's not fun. No, it, it's awesome. Man. It's it, literally that's literally what you do. It it's is fucking insane. It is insane. I, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. But at the same time, it's brutal. It's like it's it's difficult. It's not easy. But so then, for me, because I kind of feel like this all the time, I, I'd like to know your perspective on that. Is I go through moments where I'm like, why why am I trying to not get away from a nine to five? But why am I working so much outside of my nine to five when my nine to five is like financially fulfilling or whatever? I could just like have a better life outside of my nine to five. Well, you don't, I mean, because that's not what's going to make you, that's not what's going to give you a better life. You know, absolutely. You know, like if, if, if you think that you could have a more fulfilling, exciting life outside of your nine to five by going out with friends and partying or doing whatever, that's what you would be doing. But you make a, you make a choice outside of your nine to five to do more design work and to try and better yourself as a designer and an artist and keep pushing yourself to, you know, break the limits that you think that you're capable of so that you can become better at what you do. You know, that's why I do it. That's why I work 24 hours a day. I mean, not a lot of people can, can say that they enjoy what they're doing 24 hours a day, but if you are able to put yourself in a position where you have a little bit more control over your life than other people do, then there's no reason why you shouldn't enjoy it. Like it's stressful as shit. I, and I, I will not, I will not argue any other way. Like, yes, it is stressful and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, man. It's brutal. And there are times where I'm just like, why do I do this to myself? But yeah. I, I have to, I, I, I don't know any other way. I have to do it. There's something inside me that's telling me I got to do it like this. There's plenty of goals and shit I set for myself, but the bottom line is that I got to do it because I got to do it. It's just, that's, that's the fire inside of me. And when that fire goes out, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably die. But like, um, that's just how it is, man. It's just, if you want to do it, you just do it. You don't let anything get in your way. It's so when you go on, like you just, you just came off of a vacation kind of thing. If you yeah, can call it that. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, <laughs> my vacations are so not vacations. Like it's generally like we go someplace that's within driving distance. Uh, you know, my wife and my daughter and I'll like work in the hotel room while they like sit on a beach or something. That's my vacations. <laughs> During those times though, I think where you do maybe work a little bit less. Cause for me, for me, I go, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I coming home and working so late? Yeah. And I'll take like one day off. And it's like, I'll hang out with a friend or something like that. And I realize like with those friends, I'm like trying to create little projects. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not, I, I just can't fucking relax. Because, because creating is fun to you. That's why. I mean, if I'm sitting, I don't know, if I'm sitting in a restaurant and there's like, it's a, it's one of those restaurants that has like crayons on the table for kids. Who's taking the crayons? I'm taking the crayons and I'm drawing on that shit. Like, I don't care. Like I just, I like to create. I just like to make stuff. At any time I can, any chance, any opportunity, my daughter, if my daughter's got chalk out on the sidewalk or whatever, she and I are sitting there and we're drawing on the sidewalk together. You know, like it's any chance to create and that, that's, that's what I like to do, man. That's what you like to do. That's what a lot of people like to do. It's just, it's, it's one of those, again, it's like it's inside of you. That's what's fun to you, you know? If someone's just like, yo, let's go out drinking Let's go do this. Let's go get crazy. Let's do whatever. I'm just like, eh, I'd rather sit home and draw in the dark. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah. I don't want to do that. It only sucks momentarily when you when you start saying no to those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, and, and I mean, you know, and that's not to say that there are times that I don't, you know, like, like I love going to baseball games. I love hanging out with friends and shit like that. Like, of course. But for the most part, if I have the, if I have the choice every single day I'm creating something, 
Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and the more frustrating thing to me is that I don't have enough time in the day to create everything that I want. That's where I find the trouble. I don't find the trouble in just like, I didn't get to do this with this person. I didn't get to do that. I didn't go to get to go here or whatever. I don't give a shit about traveling. I don't care about seeing the world. I just want to, the things that are in my head, I just want to get out onto paper. That's what I care about. It really is. Yeah. You know, and then besides my family, obviously, which I always talk about, but like in terms of like the personal preference, like I don't care about any of that shit. Like, I, I just, I just want to make things. Nah, man, that's, it's crazy because no one, no one can, can get to that level without sacrificing all that other shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes, it, it comes to the point where it's just like, what is really important to you? You know? And I have, I have my family and I have my work. Those, those are the two most important things to me. Everything else is really like not even secondary, like tertiary. You know, everything else is auxiliary. It's not, it, none of that shit really matters. And again, like I said, like I, I love, I love baseball. Baseball is one of the things that I just happen to love. I love playing music and shit like that. But perfect example is when I had the opportunity to play, like play like one of the last shows at CBGB's. And I was just like, I'd rather work, Yeah. you know, and that's something I kind of kick myself for, but at the same time, I'm not losing sleep over it, you know? So I didn't get to do it, whatever, like it's yeah i i didn't get to you know leave my mark on one of the greatest places in punk and hardcore history but fuck it man i was building something else do you go to shows anymore I, have, I haven't been to a show in a long time and that's mostly just because i'm you know like you know being a dad and and you know at working so much it's hard for me to just kind of pull myself away because you know i don't get as much time as i'd like with my daughter and my wife um, so the times that I do have free time is generally like I spend it with them. Yeah. So, you know, like when she gets a little bit older and she has her own friends and she's out by herself, whatever, I'm, I'm sure I'll be going back to shows and be the old guy, but like 60 years old. Yeah. But for, I mean, for now, I mean, YouTube has a lot of shows like almost instantly now. So <laughs> oh man, that's so depressing. I could kind of live vicariously through, through other people's cameras. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's depressing. Dude, it's so funny too because like I never I never tried to watch shows on YouTube uh, up until like uh, shit, maybe like a year ago. And because I just thought it was so cheesy. I was like, what is these kids like watching shows? Like just go to a show, man. Don't watch that shit on YouTube. And now I'm sitting here and I'm just like watching like like uh, like clips from band sets at like the This Is Hardcore Fest in Philly. From like a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, oh man, that's shit. That shit's awesome. <laughs> man, yeah, you were sending me some of those, and it's the atmosphere is fucking insane. Oh, it's so good. I miss that intensity. I definitely miss that intensity. I try to keep that intensity in my work, but you know, like you can't just like like stage dive off a desk and like you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then like stand up and like a logo is done. You know, <laughs> for me, you got to explain what like mosh pits and shit. Are you trying to hurt each other? Um, the idea, well, so when I was a kid, uh, what a mosh pit was to me was kind of like the shit that I used to see on MTV with like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and stuff like that, you know, um, that was, and that was just like a bunch of idiots, like jumping into each other and bouncing around and, you know, there was stage diving and stuff like that, but that's what it was to me. And then I got a little bit older and I started to understand punk and hardcore where stage diving was still a thing, but like the mosh pits were a little bit more aggressive and it was a little bit more, um, I don't know. There was, there was, there, there was a little bit more order to it. It wasn't just like, like literally just running and jumping into people. You know, there was like moves. There was like dance moves that people would do, <laughs> you know, uh, it was like, you know, classic, like picking up change and windmills and shit like that. Um, and then as I got deeper and deeper into hardcore, I started to understand a little bit more. There was like a rhythm to it. There was like, you know, like as, as, as the tempo would change, you would get more and more into it. And, you know, um, it would become more, more and more of a thing that you would go to shows to do. Like, instead of just hearing the music, you would go there to get amped and like, you know, like just, and, your and, fucking arm. And, yeah. And just like, and just like let loose. And for a lot Are of you trying to hit well, that was the thing. So for a while it, it, it wasn't like that, but someone's going to get hit. Because that's just kind of like, you can't just go like swinging your arms and your legs around willy nilly and not hit something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but yes. And, and then, you know, after a while, then like, you know, a bad element would come into the scene every now and again. And, um, 
you know, for a year or two, it would kind of be more violent than it would be just kind of like angst release, you know? And, and then yes, absolutely. You would try to hit people on purpose and you were basically looking for a fight. And I remember, I remember years where I would definitely, I was definitely hitting people on purpose, like looking, looking for them to fight me. Like, because, because, you know, and you go through periods of your life where you're just like angry about shit, you know? And there would, there would be times where I would literally just like jump on the stage and then just like, like hammer punch someone just like like diving hammer punch just like come on like i would just like look for like big guys and just like go after them sometimes because i would just want someone to like step to me because i just you know you just get so frustrated with life where you're just like i don't even care what happens to me like i just like i just need to i need to release this shit somehow you know it's weird because in those moments you want to get hit also right yeah you want like you're looking for it it's yeah it's very and it's i'm sure that's mostly a guy thing um, Definitely, you know, I, women are much smarter than that. Yeah, <laughs> but not to say that women don't do that because there's a lot of there's a lot of like girls that are at shows and stuff where you're just like, well, you know, because they and they're usually the toughest ones there because they're around like a bunch of idiot men. Um, but like, yeah, and, and then you know, it, it gets it gets to the point where certain people get sick of the violence and they want it to be more fun again. And there's always like the swing back and forth. Yeah. But uh, but around the time that I left, it was still kind of like a down period, which was kind of getting – I was kind of getting sick of it at the same time too. It was making me kind of bitter and jaded with the whole thing. But it was just like – it's just like bad vibes now. Like it's not fun anymore. Yeah. You know, now it's just like it's constantly on the lookout for like who's looking to cause trouble. You know, I remember when I was a kid, before it really got like that, there used to be like the older guys who were in bands that kind of took us under their wings and I remember, like, if there was, like, a kid at a show that was causing trouble, someone would always, like, run over to the stage, pick up the mic, and be like, yo, 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 if you're going to do this fucking shit, meet us outside. And then it, everyone would, t- like, leave the show and go outside, and there'd be a brawl on the sidewalk in the middle of the street or whatever. And then and then some kid would get his head stomped in, and then everybody would go back inside all, like, crazy. And then whoever the next band was always had a better set because everyone was always, like, testosterone was flowing, like, a thousand times over. You know, adrenaline was, like, at peaks – and then it was just like so intense after that. I, I remember seeing that and, and some of that stuff really kind of got my blood flowing. So then did your wife, your wife, uh, what does she think of the hardcore scene? Um, I think she kind of like, well, she appreciates it to an extent. I think she, she, she definitely, like I've, I've seen hardcore bands play in front of her. And I, when, so the band Incendiary, who does the opening track um, for the, for the show, um, we saw them playing in a backyard, kind of like when they first started and they were awesome. Like, you know, they're, they're a sick band and, and I'm friends with the guys and they were, I, I, I genuinely love their band and seeing them play live. I think that was maybe the first time I saw them. I was psyched. I wanted to get in there. I wanted to like throw a couple of roundhouses at people and just like bowl over like 10 others, you know? And I kind of like looked over at my wife and I was just like, yeah, this is going to embarrass the shit out of me. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> oh, man. But that's like, that's kind of like the code of, that's kind of like the code of like the underground scene, you know? I don't know how it is with like hip hop and, you know, all that other shit like that have their own scenes. But like, I know like when it comes to like punk and hardcore, the moshing thing, whatever, it's like, that's cool and that's fun when you're in it and you're doing it. But I think for outsiders to look at it, you're you're looking at something that looks goofy and something to make fun of people for. You know, you're just like, what are you doing? Like, you look like an idiot. Why are you doing that? And it's like, yeah, I know I'm an idiot, but it's fun right now. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, you know what? I think, and I think you could appreciate this too, is like anything that I look at, if, if somebody's doing it honestly or because they really care about it, I can get behind it. Most yeah. likely. I mean, unless, unless you're Hitler. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. He's probably passionate about what he was doing. He seemed pretty passionate. Yeah. I'm <laughs> but, not going to get behind that. But I, I, I agree. I agree. I think if someone's doing something earnestly, that's not hurting someone else maliciously. Um, it, it's, it's hard to deny it. You know, there's plenty of stuff I don't like, but I see how much passion goes into it, you know? And it's just like, I can't hate on that. Like, it's good, man. Like, the more people who do stuff like that, the better it is. Whether or not I like it does does not matter. You know, like, the fact that they're doing it and they're they're putting their all into it is amazing. And we need more of that person doing that thing. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Without a doubt. So do you think your, it sounds like your wife kind of keeps you uh, grounded in reality or, or, or maybe not grounded in reality. You're grounded in reality. My, my wife likes to knock me down a peg or two. Yeah. Like she's, she like, and I'm not, I'm not the type of person to, um, to, to gloat about anything. Like I really not like, like if like there was a, t- we won, uh, so, uh, me and 20th Century Fox, uh, the art director over there, Neri Rivas, um, who we worked together on the Book of Life with, um, we won we won a few awards for the Book of Life work, and it was awesome. He's texting me, he's like, "Dude, it's so awesome, we won. This is great." Blah blah blah. And I was at the gym with my wife and one of our trainers because we all work out together, and and they were like, "Oh, what's going on?" I was like, "Oh, we won some awards for the Book of Life," and my wife and our trainer were like, "Oh, that's awesome. That's so great." I was like, "Yeah, whatever." I was like, "Fine." Because like to me, all that shit is fleeting, you know. Yeah, like that—that yeah. that means nothing to me. Awards and all that, like whatever, it doesn't mean anything. But like, if I have a good speaking event and I come home and I'm all like high on myself and I'm like really excited because it felt good, everything flowed right, you know, like good reaction and everything. My wife's just like, she's like, go take out the garbage. She goes, <laughs> yeah. she goes, you know, you know, you are nobody here. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is with my girlfriend as well. Like I'll get super amped about something I do and I show her and she's like, yeah, okay. That's yeah. cool. But <laughs> You're not special. No, yeah, like nothing <laughs> cool. She appreciates it, but, but it's like, doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Come and talk to me when you could buy a beach house with all that yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's how it is. But it's, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be around people who are super full of themselves. Cause, um, I don't, I don't, well, yeah, that's number one because <laughs> no one's here, but it's also just like, I don't like to surround myself with those people, you know, because it's just, that's so annoying, you know? And I feel like a lot of times you see people online, like, especially these days where everyone thinks they're a celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's nice to, to go in the opposite direction. And I like, I like having kind of like the DIY roots to kind of hold me back. I like having the blue collar roots. You know, I like identifying with that shit more than I do with like the people who, you know, think what we do as designers is like the most important thing in the world. You know, like it's, it's important and it means a lot, but it's not the most important thing in the world and no one should be a fucking celebrity because of it, you know? Um, so in terms of like, hardcore being the springboard to kind of like the DIY business starting type of thing. Um, so, so when I was in high school, the only way I could figure out how to get my band on shows was to book shows myself. So I would go to shows and I would find out who was booking the shows at that venue. And I would go talk to them and say, I want to set up a show. Who do I talk to? And then they would tell me whoever and blah, blah, blah. So there was this one venue by us in Long Island called Ground Zero. And it was a small little shitty dive bar. But you could fit like usually between like, you know, 30 to 60 people on a good day. You could squeeze 100 people in there. After a while, I became famous for doing shows there that had like a minimum of 10 bands. (laughs) Because... My my thought was just like get as many people to bring as many people as they can there. So if every band brought like five people with them, that's fifty people plus the bands. So then you're looking at playing a show in front of like eighty people. You know, each band's getting paid like three dollars. Exactly, exactly. So so th- there was one show that I booked that literally might have had like ten bands on it. And this pl- I'm, and when I say this place was a dive bar, man, it was such a piece of shit. And the across the street from it was some weird like motorcycle like like wannabe Hell's Angel shit, and next to it was like an abandoned like mechanic or something like that, you know. It was the parking lot where brawls would usually take place, <laughs> and uh, and so I I got this whole show together. And by this point, my band had a little bit of steam, so we weren't opening anymore. So I had like one opener and then another opener, another blah blah blah. And then a friend of mine helped me get two pretty decently sized headliners. So in Long Island, the two headliners I got were um, was a band called uh, Cipher, which was a which was a really sick band uh, from Long Island. They were kind of like they were hardcore, but they also had like rap parts over it and stuff like that. And another band called Sky Came Falling. So both of those bands 
were headlining the show, which were really huge bands in Long Island at the time. And I had my band playing right before them. And then I had one guy who was just like, yo, can, can we get my band on there? We're coming from Jersey. Uh, and I was like, I was like, oh, you guys come from Jersey. Yeah, no problem. Whatever. Like if you, if you need a place to play, like you could hop on the show. And then another friend was just like, yo, can my band get on there? I'll get you on another show after this or whatever. And I was like, well, I can't say no to him. He's going to get my band on another show. So before you knew it, it's like 10 or 11 bands. Show starts at like one o'clock. By the time, you know, seven o'clock runs around, you know, it comes around. The show is packed out because everybody's waiting for Cypher and Sky Came Falling. And the band before my band, which was another band, which is another band that was friends of mine called Through the Discipline, um, they played a short set um, because we were just like, yo, I got to get this show moving because we got to get these other guys on. You know, like uh, the guys from Cypher, half of them were going to school in Albany. So that's like a four or five hour drive down to Long Island, you know, so – and the woman who owned the bar was like, you guys got to get out of here. I got something else going on tonight. And I'm like, like, we made a decent amount of money. Like for a hardcore show in like the late 90s, I think I had like $1,500 in my pocket. You know what I mean? And I was like 16 or 17 years old at the time. That was a lot of money. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, look, I was like, look, we're doing good numbers right now. Like just hang, hang with me a little bit longer. She's like a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Nothing's going on in this shithole. Exactly. You know it. So the place is packed out. My band gets to go on and we have a, a sick set because the place is completely packed to the gills. It doesn't even matter what band was playing, but my band was playing and it was, it was off the wall. It was amazing. It was a great show. I start breaking down my shit. She's like, that's it. You're done. You're done. Everybody out. So in my head, I'm like, fuck, like this really sucks because I'm like kind of screwing over these two bands that really helped do this but at the same time i'm just like this is the best show i ever played i'm happy <laughs> i'm very happy so like i talked to the other bands i'm like i'm sorry she's kicking us out blah 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 blah. i paid them what they needed anyway i gave them a little bit of extra so it, you know it was good everybody walked away with a couple bucks in their pocket and it was so funny too to watch everyone start to load out and to see what was coming in next and it was literally like a like a weird open mic night with three people motherfucker and i'm like what are you doing like this is so ridiculous so like on the one hand like ridiculous and it sucks that no one got to see cypher and sky came falling everyone was there like it was it was like the the the, the intensity level was going up and up and up but you know what <laughs> it worked out for us <laughs> like Dude, they were never there were they who cypher and uh no they were there no because they oh, were no, they were there and they were pissed at me because they were like, yo, we came all this way and we can't play like this. This is not cool. So I was like, here, like take, take, take this money. Just take the money like here. Like, I'm really sorry you guys can't play. But like, I didn't care. I was giving them the money because all that hard work to like get them to play and to get everybody there and to do all that shit. Like it worked out really good for us. So personally, I was psyched. I didn't go home unhappy. I was very excited because <laughs> we had a great set. <laughs> Did venues ever get trashed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Venues got trashed. That place. That place. Ground Zero, as a matter of fact, got ultra trashed. So, like, when we, when when it was closing, the woman was like, "I don't give a fuck. Do whatever." Like, she was like this old woman, smoker, biker type of woman. She's like, "Do whatever you want. I don't care." And it didn't matter anyway because everyone was going to do what they wanted regardless. Yeah. yeah. So there was a pool table in the place. Like I'm talking during the last band set. There were chairs being thrown through windows. The people were trying to knock over the pool table. All the bar stools were smashed in the ground. Like it was amazing. It was amazing that no one got stabbed. Like it was. Yeah. It was complete annihilation of this place, and it was amazing. It really. It really, really was amazing. And then you go there now. It's like a nail salon, and it's like in a nice neighborhood. And it's just like it's not what it used to be. And I drive no. past it, and I'm like, I'm like, if the people who were in there could only know. What was happening there like 15 to 20 years ago, you know, like pure, like absolute violence and, and like disgusting shit happened there. You know, you know, what's crazy is you come at it from this really weird angle, which is like, and you kind of touched on this on the last podcast, but how did you not get into the drug scene? It's well, kind of infamous with that. Well, one of the things that was kind of amazing about, uh, you know, being involved with hardcore is that straight edge was a really big part of it. So there was a lot of people who were into drugs and drinking and stuff like that. And 
we hung out with them and there was a lot of straight edge vegan kids too. And that was kind of like, um, those were, you know, those were two factions that lived simultaneously with one another and no one, you know, they were like the vegan kids who would kind of like get like, you know, super militant about it. But like even the straight edge kids, like it was kind of like live and let live type of shit. It's just like, you could do whatever you want, man. It's just, it's not for me. And, um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't call myself a straight edge kid or anything like that, but I didn't want to get involved with any of that. And I just kind of, it was very easy not to, there was no one involved with any of the hardcore scene that was trying to push anything on anybody at any time. The only thing that anyone ever tried to push on anyone was like animal rights and shit like that. And I mean, it could be a lot worse than animal rights, you know? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. No, sounds great. I mean, it it really, it really, I, I think it was a positive place to kind of, as long as you took the positives out of it, I think it was a positive place to kind of understand and and kind of come up in, you know? And even though there was like violence and shit, like it kind of taught you how to stick together with your friends. It taught you how to stand up for yourself. It taught you how to fight your battles. It taught you how to, you know, um, you know, like, uh, you know, understand situations and, and, and use your brain and, you know, cause you're independent out there. There's no one, there's no one there. There's no parents. There's none of that shit to like try and wrangle you back. Like you, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. Some kids even younger, some people older, and there's no, there's no law there. You know, like you're kind of self-governing and you just kind of have to make the right choices or you're going to pay for it one way or another. And it was nice to be able to do that. Cause I feel like it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, street justice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, 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 uh, it, it, it taught you a lot. And I, I still use a lot of those, um, I still use a lot of what I learned there in what I do today. And it's funny when I come across people who kind of came up the same way at advertising agencies and shit. And you'll sit in a meeting and everyone kind of looks a certain way. And then there's like that one person over in the corner. And I'm just like, you got that look in your eye. <laughs> you, you seen some shit. I know. And then after the meeting, you just like, yo, you ever see blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just like, I knew that we were connecting on some level. Fuck man, that's cool. <laughs> oh, here's cool. here's one last story too. And this is this is like kind of that connection, right? That underground connection. When I went to college, the you know, like when you go to college, you have like that kind of um, what do you call it? Uh, what the fuck's that called? The uh, uh, like the freshman like hazing? No, it was like the freshman orientation thing. Okay, you know, like when you go, like it's it's kind of like the, they had this uh, freshman orientation where you would go there like two weeks before school started. And you kind of like, you stay there for the weekend and you go and you like meet all the kids that are going to school and blah, blah, blah. I went. Kids are crying first time away from parents. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was not happy about being there because I wasn't, I wasn't dorming there. Like I was just, I lived 15 minutes away from the school. I was like, I don't want to go to this. Like, why do I have to go to this? This It's stupid. So I was like, if I'm going to go there, I'm going to see if I can make a friend somehow. So I wore an overthrow t-shirt. Thinking it's just like an obscure hardcore band. Like if anyone's there who knows what hardcore is, they're gonna they're gonna seek me out. We're gonna like become friends. Sure. How'd you feel wearing that shirt? Awesome. Felt cool. Right? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, I felt I felt cooler than everybody because I was like, yo, you don't even know what the real shit is. Because <laughs> like I'm living a life that nobody else understands. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And then there's ten other kids wearing that fucking shit when you show up. No, there wasn't. No, there was because this this was still kind of like at a point where it wasn't like mainstream enough where anyone would ever know what that shit is. This is still kind of like pre-internet boom, all that type of thing. So I show up and there's a girl in my group who she's like, oh, overthrow. She's like, I know that band. Blah 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 blah. She's like, my boyfriend's in a hardcore band. You ever hear of this? And I was like, mm, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I think so. So she introduces me to her boyfriend. Long story short, her boyfriend is Matt, who I started, you know, CXXVI with, and um, and his girlfriend at the time, a girl named Alexis, she's like one of our best friends. She like lives right by us now with her fiance. So like we've all become like best friends over the past almost twenty years, just because I was like, I'm gonna wear this shirt if someone, if there's a connection, and someone understands what this is. They're going to know and we're going to at least be able to have some kind of conversation and then jump off, you know. Fuck, man. That's awesome. And it's, it's, that's, that's a kind of a cool way to, to make friends and, and kind of find your place, you know. And it yeah. helped. It helped, it helped a lot. It helped a lot. Yeah. Just stay like rooted in who you are. I right. Guess. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that does it 
for now. That's enough stories for today. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I think we're good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, as always, um, you know, hit us up uh, on Instagram at John Contino. Send your questions. You could DM them to me directly, um, and we'll add them to the list. And, you know, uh, we're going to try to get to all of them if we can. Um, also, in the near future, we're going to start having some guests on um, from different walks of life and see if we can get, you know, the, the idea there being kind of like, let's, let's us, you know, let us all sit down and answer these questions together and see what the different perspectives are. You know, people who are su- successful in their different fields and really kind of get a good sense of how different everybody is, but how alike everyone is at the same time. Um, so, like I said, shoot us those questions. They can be creative they could be life that design it doesn't matter we're going to answer them all and and kind of like try and get some interesting you know perspectives on this stuff and of course go to amazon pre-order brand by hands get that going now so help me out with the publisher so hopefully we can do more books in the future and we'll see you next time Stay up!